How's it going, Deep Dive Sports fans? It's David here. I'm joined by Nick, Dom, and Greg for today's episode of Two Minute Drill. In today's episode, we will be talking about various different topics, but mostly focusing on, I guess you could say, controversies of sorts, but we'll get to that when we get to that. So starting with our first down, what did you guys take away from last week in the NFL? Starting with Nick. Sorry. <laughs> so I think what I took away from last week is kind of the, the same as, as the week before. I think there's lots of teams that are continuing to surprise us, you know, whether that's the Cardinals being 4-0 at this point, the only undefeated team, whether that's, you know, the, the Chiefs in their division, it kind of being a tight race. And, you know, I, I think we all knew that the Chargers would kind of come out and be good, but I don't know if we knew that, you know, they'd come out this hot. But that is a good team going forward. You know, the Raiders, the same thing. Um, and then, again, just another week of, like, weird losses where both, both the New York teams got wins against teams that they probably shouldn't have got wins against. But that's just – that's kind of what I took away from similar last week. It's just a roller coaster of a season. It seems like anybody can win, and we just have a ton of good games. All right, Greg, what do you have to say on this? Well, definitely, since Nick stole my thunder and picked like 16 different topics to talk about <laughs> rather than just just choose one and go with it. But I'm going to have I'm going to cascade off of that and talk about how impressed I was with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals being the 4-0 team. Uh, he's just phenomenal. He completed 24, 32 passes, 268 yards, 39 rushing yards that that 68 yard pass he had was just like got me up off my seat type of pass. And, and I was just really, really impressed with how this third year quarterback has played. So I am all in on Kyler Murray. And I think that, that you could start talking about maybe MVP talk with him in this upcoming season. All right, Dom, what do you got? So I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what Nick said. Um, I think there's a lot of teams that are playing a lot better than we thought they would. Um, but I think my biggest takeaway is that I think both the Ohio teams are for real. I think the Browns showed that even when Baker has a bad game and the offense doesn't play well, that defense can play well enough to either keep the game close or, or win you the game. Um, that, that was a good offense that they played in Minneapolis, um, not Minneapolis. That was a good offense that they played in Minnesota going into the game. They were the number one ranked offense in the league and they held them to seven points. Um, I think going forward, that defense is going to keep keep the Browns in pretty much every game. Um, and then the, the Bengals are a team that I thought was going to be better, but I didn't think that they'd be three and one after four games. Um, I think Joe Burrow has showed that he's the real deal, um, proving that he can come off of a pretty horrific knee injury and you know be the quarterback that we all thought that he could be. Um, I think that defense is playing a lot better than what people expected. I know they revamped it a little bit. Um, and a lot of the people that they brought in on the offensive line are playing better. They're not a great offensive line, but they're not as bad as they were last year. And Jamar Chase looks like a real deal. So I think going forward, this team's it's young, and I think they're only going to get better. And I think the, the Browns and the Bengals aren't really going anywhere. Yeah, I would definitely say kind of like piggyback off of that, like, pretty much say the same. I don't know how the Bengals will play through towards the end of the season. Cause I did see Greg 
shaking his head during your comments about the Bengals there for a second. They, they've well, played I mean, garbage teams. Their three of their wins are against garbage teams. That's all it is. Right. Well, like, I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team, but I think they're going to be a team that's – they're not going to get blown out in many games. I think they're a team that's going to be competitive in every game that they play. And, you know, the games can go either way. They, you know, maybe get a lucky field goal to, you know, go their way or, or whatnot. But, you know, I, I think going forward, this is a team that's young and much improved. And I think the future is pretty bright for the franchise. But the way so, that I was going with that was uh, I think that they're finally winning the games that they should win. And then we'll have to see when it comes down towards the end of the road, what they'll be. Uh, so, We'll get there when we get there in terms of the Bengals. So that's what I have to say. Do you want to say anything else, Greg? Let me, I'll give you that, that, that in the future that the Bengals have put together a lot of young talent that to me has yet to really show me anything. They played a horrible Minnesota team, and I don't care what you say. It's, they're, they're still not what everybody says they are to me. You know, they, they beat the Jaguars and was was just not even a fun game to watch. Um, I was bored ha- half the time watching that. And then it's just, I, I they have building blocks, but that's that's nothing that I've been excited about. Yeah, and that's completely fair to say. All right, now that we've gotten our first down done and out of the way, let's move on to the second down into our topic one of this area, what one player would you like to see or would you like to watch out for this week and why? All right, Dom, let's start with you this time. This week, I am really going to keep an eye on Baker Mayfield. He had a horrible game against the Vikings. Um, we, you know, It could just be a bad game. Maybe that shoulder is still injured from the, the Texans game. Um I, I want to see how he bounces back from, you know, even to his own account, a, a horrible game that isn't going to cut it going forward. Um, I, I want to see if he could step it up and have a good bounce back game against a really good Chargers team, or is he going to, you know, keep not performing when the pocket collapses and is he going to keep overthrowing people? Because what we saw the first, you know, couple games of the season, he was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league, but I don't know what happened Sunday, but it was awful. So I'm hoping he can bounce back, but that's what I'm going to keep my eye out on. All right, Greg, what do you got? To kind of caveat from the not Baker Baker comment, but the Chargers, um, Austin Eckler is somebody that I'm not going to lie. I didn't pay much attention to who he was as you know a player and what he was able to produce but if anybody that watched last night's game i mean he was just lights out last night 117 rushing yards 28 receiving yards two touchdowns i I was thoroughly thoroughly impressed and i look forward to next week watching what he can do against that browns defense if he can do what he did to uh, what i thought was a very good raiders defense um then it's going to be a really good game so definitely austin eckler is somebody that i'm looking forward to watching yeah, and that's perfectly fair there, too. Nick, what do you got? I think a, a guy to not only watch like this week, but going forward is uh, is Justin Fields. Now that yeah. Matt Nagy kind of took himself out of calling plays, I think that if he continues to start, as long as Andy Dalton's uh, still injured, I, once he's healthy. But if he continues to start, he might be a guy to kind of look at um, just because it seemed like in that game when he handed over play calling duties to somebody else, 
that Justin Fields had a little bit more success. I'd probably say a lot more success than he did the week before. Um, I know that they were playing Detroit, so it's not like they were, you know, playing the, the Browns defense again, but it just seemed like he looked a little bit more comfortable out there to kind of make, I don't know if it was the read thing, but it seemed like the plays were better designed for his skill set at, at that point in time in his career. So I just think that going forward, kind of watching him and, and seeing where he's on pace with the rest of the rookies that are kind of in the league right now, because I do think Mac Jones is at this point mm-hmm. and kind of played the best out of all of them so far. But again, he's in the best situation. He has the best coaching, the best front office at this point. So maybe hopefully now that he has a different play caller there. So that's kind of my player to watch. Continues to start. Yeah, and for me, I would say for myself would probably be Mac Jones of the New England Patriots. Seeing that game against Tampa Bay or the parts that I did see, it was impressive. Basically gave Tom Brady a run for his money, essentially. And we kind of discussed it in the previous episode of who who had the most pressure on them. And I remember if Dom mentioned that it would be Bill, but if he could keep it close, which they did, that would be very impressive. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. They kept it close and even had the lead to an, to an certain extent too. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a 52-yard field goal away in like super high winds and crazy rain away from mm. it. it was like literally inches it just bounced off the the left upright so yeah yeah i mean you still you still have left tom Brady with i think like a little bit over 30 seconds but it's raining it's not like he's gonna be able to dice him up down the field very easily so i mean you you probably very well could have sealed that game and and i don't think many people could hit that kick anyway it's not like that guy is a scrub but <laughs> yeah. yeah i think that's the only his... person that can hit that kick well, Justin Tucker's 50... kick was like in perfect weather, so it's not like yeah. you know. What and I mean? fifty-six was his career long too, so it was like you know he was just matching his career long. And mm. like you said, the weather had everything to do with that that mm. that game and the, how low scoring it was. Yeah, yeah. So I would say Mac Jones, just based on last this past week's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and see yeah. if he could essentially give another run for the money for the next team that they're playing. That is true. If they start winning these close ones, that'll be a, mm-hmm. a team for the playoffs to kind of look out for. Yeah, definitely. All right. Now on to our second topic of second down. And this kind of starts into what I mentioned at the start of this episode, and that's kind of the bit of controversy within the NFL. And to start, I would like to ask, what are your thoughts on the raid on the Washington football team's facility that occurred, what, two days ago now? Either yesterday or the day before? And let's start with Greg on this one. I think the raid actually had nothing to do with the Washington football team. Uh, It had everything to do with Ryan Vermillion and drugs. Um, The reason why they raided the Washington football team's you know, facilities is to go through his Mm -hmm. particular – you know, his office and, and talk to other players. Um, I've heard everything from ketamine to cocaine, certain things that the DEA is looking at. Um, so I, I, I get he's, you know, with Ron Rivera, Rivera, I'm sorry, for, you know, many, many years. He had 19 years with the Panthers organization and followed um, him to Washington. But it has everything to do with drugs and really nothing to do with uh, the team itself. Yeah, and I, 
I think I just phrase it that way mainly because that's how it's been portrayed, I guess you could say. Yes, it was because of him, but that's how I heard of it, at least, was of the team's facility. Anyways, Dom, what do you think? It's it's not a good look. Um, and any time you know, the FDA has to get involved, it, it's not a good look for the organization. It's not a good look for the league. Um, I think it's it's really going to hurt, you know, Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera's reputation throughout the league, and it's it's not looking good. It it, it sounds like they're gonna they're gonna you know get him on a bunch of stuff, but I don't know. I I, I was still kind of surprised by it. Um, now you because you don't expect something like this to happen to a NFL organization, but it'll be interesting to see how things go forward. Yeah, definitely. Nick, what do you got? Yeah, anytime. Uh... Anytime the uh, drug enfoiling, that's not a good. Um, you know, I'm kind of in the middle of, of Greg and, and Dom with this one. I, I think that that of course the 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 primary focus is on Vermillion. Like this is him. I I don't think that that he was really doing it on the clock with Washington. I mean, maybe he was. Maybe he was kind of getting some of his clientele from there. But I think most of this was kind of using. He was using power and influence. You know what he knew about all these different kinds of drugs and kind of using the outside of the job to make some extra you know, money on the side, but yeah, along with Dom, it's, it's just not a good look. I mean, you, you had the, the sexual harassment scandal, what, a couple years ago and, or maybe three years ago, and it, it's kind of still going on. And, you know, you've had the whole name change thing. And then now you have this and it's, it's not even like the name change, like people are upset about it. It's like, they refused to do it for a long time and made a bunch of people mad. And I mean, then they finally were like, going to do it. And then they go by the Washington football team. And obviously that made them kind of mad because, you know, pick a name. But so it's just been like, you know, one thing after another. And then I just don't think it's a good look for, you know, Ron Rivera. I mean, we're going to talk about somebody, you know, on the next topic, I won't give it away, but, but from the time that they were a head coach, you know, at, at one of their destinations and then the next, you know, they kind of brought somebody with them that wasn't making the best decisions. And I think that this kind of, you know, goes along with maybe, maybe Rivera didn't know, maybe he did know, maybe he just kind of didn't want to know, but you know, you kind of, you, you don't, you're not with somebody for 10 years of your life because he was with them for eight in Carolina and now two with the Washington football team. You just don't spend 10 years of your life with somebody, you know what I mean? On and off. And you don't know these kinds of things a little bit, or, or you just choose not to know. So I think this kind of has a little bit of a negative effect on, on him as well, too. And, you know, everybody, but it, it'll be a situation that we'll kind of have to watch going forward and, and see what happens. But like I said, any, anytime the DEA comes in your building, it's it's not a good sign. It, they they have enough to, that they think that they need to do. It'll be interesting watching. going. Nick, going back off of uh, what you said, you know, there's there's no way Ron Rivera didn't have some sort of idea of what was going on. You can't know someone for that long well, and spend pretty much every day with them. Say, I mean, and, and I, I don't I don't want to sit here and say he had. There's no way he had no idea. And like I I like I stand by what I said. I I think you know somebody for ten years. You work with them that that intensely. Like he's in charge of your like part of your medical personnel for your team. So you're having meetings with him, if not daily like weekly you know what I mean so that's something that like I, I don't know it just you you could like look at him you're like I don't know and, and maybe he didn't know maybe he did it like I said he probably did a really good job of keeping you know 
pleasure outside of business or business outside of business. And he just didn't mix that. And th th that's just what it is. But I don't know. I mean, yeah. this is, again, we'll I mean. Just, we'll just have to wait and see mostly is what I was trying to get at now that I realize it. So anyways, as Nick alluded to before, there's one other thing that we get into a little bit. But before we get to that, I'd like to ask, what do you guys think of Urban Meyer's on-field performance with the team, despite the fact they are winless thus far? And let's start with Dom on this one. Um, I mean, it honestly doesn't look good. I, I understand it's his first time being an NFL head coach and coaching in college is completely different from the NFL. Um, you know, what worked in college isn't necessarily going to work in the NFL. You have to you know, have a different mindset going about it. Um, you know, he looks like someone that either is having a hard time adjusting to how different the NFL is or someone that's stuck in his ways because he, he was so successful in college. So it's understandable if he developed a routine and has a way that he runs his organizations, you know, that led to him having such success in college, but that doesn't mean that that's going to translate to the NFL. So he's either having a hard time adjusting or he doesn't want to adjust. And I think it, it's affecting obviously on the field play, but I think it's affecting the culture in the organization as well. Yeah, that definitely makes sense to me, at least. Nick, what do you have? I, I agree with some of the points that Dom made. I, I don't I don't think that this situation is like a, a direct result because he, he can't acclimate to being a coach in the NFL. I, I just think that this this is a um, a person who can't get out of his own way. You know what I mean? For for whatever reason, I, I don't I don't know why. I mean, you, you look back to Florida. And then with Ohio State, you know, with his wide receiver coach, I think Zach Zach Taylor, um, and just just kind of looking at looking the other way in those situations when when he should have, you know what I mean, confronted him or or done the right thing and, and gone to the authorities and, and helped out that lady, or whether it was hiring you know a strength conditioning coach who had who was not coming from the you know the greatest situation and, and, and caused a, all of it. And, you know, putting him himself in that situation for that kind of backlash, it didn't make much sense, you know, giving Tim Tebow a chance when nobody else would. And it definitely looked like favoritism, um, you know, obviously he didn't make the team, but, but still give, even giving him a chance in that situation, it just didn't make much sense, you know, and then, and then now to this. So it's just, to me, he's a person who can't, for whatever reason, you know, can't make good decisions and puts himself in places to end up, you know, having to have these conversations with not only his team, you know, with management, with the public, with his, you know, most importantly with his family. Um, because it just, it, I don't know, man, the, this whole thing kind of, I don't know, it, it saddens me because, you know, you, you want to, you want to look at him as like, you know, one of one of the winningest coaches in college football history. You want to you want to remember him for all like the the things that he was able to do for, you know, Florida, Ohio State um, and hopefully what he might have done for, you know, the Jaguars. But it's just all this stuff that he's kind of put together over his career. It, it just takes away from that. So, yeah, just somebody who can't get out of their own way and, and somebody who can't put themselves in situations to not be to not be. Yeah. Greg, what do you got? 
I honestly, I think he's a garbage individual. Um, I have zero respect for Urban Meyer. Yes. Uh, and that, that encompasses on the field as well as off the field, but on the field is what we're talking about right now. And he just doesn't seem like he's, he cares. He doesn't seem like he's present in those games. Um, if you watched the Bengals Jaguars game, uh, it, it seemed like he didn't some of the play calls, like some plays were called that he had no clues to why that was called or, or, or the outcome was what it was. And it just, I've just seen that all four games. And, um, I think that he gets distracted, like Nick said, and he can't get out of his own way. And I think that he is constantly, whatever situation he's putting himself in, he's always distracted. He's always thinking his head's always somewhere else and not where it should be. And I think that that's very evident thus far with his own four start with Joe. Yeah, I think kind of go off that a little bit. I think because of his success in the college game, he kind of inflated his own ego and thought that he could translate over to the NFL. And like Dom said, that doesn't always translate. So, and it it's showing on the field with the players. And Greg mentioned off the field stuff, which is what we'll talk about right now in our fourth and final talk topic for second down. Do you think that Meyer will regain the trust of management and staff after the most recent video of his off the field behavior? If so, what would it take? Let's start with Greg on that one. No, I mean, honestly, I think he's a one and done coach. Um, as I stated earlier, and I'll, I'll make it public again, I think that Urban Myers is a garbage individual. He's got low, low character. He's a quitter. Uh, he quits anything he gets into that it's a little bit over his head or a little bit where he's disinterested and he he finds a way. And I I see what his on off-field annex is a disrespect to his wife, his disrespect to his family, his children, his players, um, his faith. It's just, every, you know, he, he desperately probably wants to get back to college. That USC position is open and, you know, he's they've made it very evident that he's somebody that um, they are interested in and coaching for them. And I just, uh, I don't think there's anything he can do to regain the trust of the Jaguars. And I'd be very, very surprised. And I'll eat crow at the end of the season if they keep him on, but um, I'd be surprised if he wasn't gone by the end of the year or at least at the end of the season. Yeah. Nick, what do you have on this one? I don't, I don't think it's necessarily the trust of his, of the players because to be fair, it's not like a lot of those players haven't probably been in a similar situation before. I mean, we hear it every single year that players put themselves in situations to where they have to backtrack, apologize, and stuff like that. For so, I think like this situation with the players, I think he could get past. I think it's you know what Dom was saying earlier about how they, you know they they don't have much respect for him already because of his coaching style and they don't like how he does things. I think that that's that's a bigger problem with the players. I think management-wise, I think with, you know, Shad Khan, he, he's one of those guys, like, if he hires you as your, his head coach, he wants you to be around because, you know what I mean, he wants to give you the opportunity to to build a team and, and put that forward. But as, as soon as you start embarrassing, you know, his organization, then you're up and out of there. So I think that if Urban Meyer wants to stay with the Jaguars, that's going to have to be the most work that he does you know, with the organization is going to be with man because 
he's going to have to really, for lack of a better word, get his shit together and and kiss ass. Because if he doesn't, then like Greg said, he's going to be one and done and and he'll be out of there. And then I, I just think his his biggest thing at this point is going to try to be regain you know the trust and and respect of fans and then most importantly his his family i think that's what he needs to worry about most i i think that it's just putting himself in that situation is not is not what anybody should do um but he now he did and he has to live with that and he has to grow from that and he's got to put himself in in a position now to to show everybody that that he's not that kind of person and and like i said before i i just don't know if he can because he just keeps doing it time and time again and he just can't get out of his own way so we'll kind of see if he does finish the season with the team and i don't even know if he will i think he'll be one and done i don't think he'll be there next yeah that's completely fair to say dom what do you have to say on this one I, I think he's going to be done at the end of the season. Um, it, even if he gets to the end of the season, which honestly, I don't think he will. Um, I know there were some reports during um, training camp in the preseason about, you know, how he was belittle, um, about how he was uh, belittling his coaches and talking down to his players and not treating his coaching staff and players well. Um, so there were already some, uh, tensions already brewing before the season even started. And then you, you add in all the stuff that's, that's going on on the field with the lack of performance. And then now the, all this off the field stuff. Um, I don't think he's going to be around till the end of the season. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, his, his reputation, the way things are going now, I don't even know if USC is going to want him. You know, I, I think he's, he's betting on this USC job, you know, pretty much being handed to him, once he does get let go from the Jaguars, but you know, if, if this situation continues to get out of hand, like it, like it honestly could, then I don't even know if that job's going to be there for him. Um, but I mean, Nick, like you said, um, the owner, he's, he's a guy that, you know, once you start, you know, not presenting the best image of the organization, he's going to let you go. And I mean, in, in business, you know, your reputation's everything. Yeah. Especially if you're a rebuilding franchise, you know, no one's going to want to come play for an organization that's known to be dysfunctional, known that's going to, that everyone knows has a bad culture. So, you know, Urban Meyer needs to get his, he needs to get his act together or they're going to have a hard time building this team because no one's going to want to come play for them. And the only players they're going to be able to get are people that they draft and they don't really have a history of drafting that well. For the most part, you can probably excuse the players. It happens too often for many of the younger players because they're put into a serious position in which they're oftentimes not accustomed to. And a lot of the times it's a financial thing. They don't know what to do with their money. However, I mean, that's a, most of these guys, when this usually happens, they're, they're looking at like 21 to what, 24. And they're automatically given millions of dollars. They, and genuinely they probably don't know what to do with that money at least right off the bat. We're talking about a guy who's in his 40s who should know better, but has 40s, maybe 50s, who should know better, but for some reason doesn't. Well, and there's a difference between being a player and being a coach. A coach, you're, you're the coach. You're supposed to be the role model. You're supposed to be the one that keeps everyone in line. It's one thing for a player to, you know, do something that they need to apologize for. But, you know, the coach, you're, 
you're supposed to be the leader of that organization. And the way you present yourself and the way that you act sets the precedent for the rest of the team going forward. So Mm -hmm. if this is how he's going to act, how can we expect his players to act any better? I mean, look at, look at Florida, you know, a lot of his off the field stuff with urban personally wasn't as, you know, noted, but you can tell by the way that he ran the organization and having what 40 players arrested, you can tell the culture that he, that he had in that organization, you know, character is not really something that he really cares about because it's not really something that he has himself. So I don't know. I, I think it's a bad situation and it seems like, you know, trouble seems to follow him wherever he goes because he doesn't, like you said, Nick, he doesn't know how to get out of his own way. Anyways, I think we kind of covered everything we could in terms of Urban Meyer and management on that. Now on to third down, and now let's recap the game of the week last week, which was Tampa Bay versus New England. What did you guys think of that, starting with Dom? I was impressed with how the Patriots played. Um, I know the weather was horrible, so neither team was really going to play well. Um, It was obviously going to be more of a defensive battle with um, how the weather was. But I I think Mac Jones, he looked composed. Um, You know, we said earlier that he's in the best situation out of all the rookie quarterbacks. You know, pretty much all he has to do, he was given the keys to the car. All he has to do is not wreck it. And at least to this point, he's shown that he's – not going to wreck the car. You know, um, I think both defenses look good. You know, Tom Brady was still Tom Brady, even though it was, you know, statistically he didn't put up big stats like he has in previous weeks. I thought it was, it was a good, you know, fought game and it was pretty entertaining. All right. Nick, what do you have? Yeah, pretty much the same thing. I mean, I, I said it earlier, he's in the best situation, kind of like Dom said. And, and I, I do think that this game probably would have been a little different if it weren't for the weather. I, I think Tampa Bay probably would have made maybe another touchdown, and I think it, it would have looked a little bit different of a game. But I, I do like the direction that New England's going. They have a lot of good vets on that team, and you know if, if Mac Jones can kind of push that team to win some of these close games, I think that you know like I said before, that's that's going to be a fringe playoff team, and I think that. You know, they they might be able to sneak in, especially kind of with the struggles that Miami has had, which I, I don't think that I, I'm going to struggle this bad at this point. But, yeah, good game. I mean, the weather was was crappy, so it was going to be a defensive run-heavy game. You know, I think Mac Jones did a really good job passing the ball in the in the weather, and, and he kind of showed, like, hey, Tom Brady's here. I know you guys love him, but I'm going to be here for the next 20 years, and, and I'm going to win you guys some stuff too. So I think that that – that that's what that game kind of showed me. All right, Greg, what are your thoughts? I think that Mac Jones outplayed Tom Brady statistically. Mac Jones was 31 for 40, Brady 22 for 43. Mac Jones had 275 yards, Brady had 269. Brady had zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, and Mac Jones had two touchdowns and one interception. Obviously, we've talked about the weather, had a lot to do with it, and I honestly think that Brady's emotions had a big thing to do with his performance, especially in that first quarter, maybe even in the, the second quarter. It's got to be emotional. There's a lot of going through your mind, coming back to Foxborough, facing Belichick, and I think that that is what – because the weather didn't really start to get super bad till like the second or the third and fourth quarter. 
And I just think that he was in his head a little bit in those first couple quarters in it. And uh, it showed. And, you know, obviously he came back and kind of figured it out. And, and they were able to win by enough two points. So, I mean, yeah, uh, a win's a win at the end of the day. I think everyone kind of figured emotion definitely would have come in and play some factor to, in to some degree. And like Greg said, I did, I do think it did play a factor throughout the entire game. What were you going to say, Nick? I want to say real quick, I, I did like at, in the, at the end, I think it was a press conference that, that he came out and, and he kind of squashed all that like beef between him and Belichick. You know what I mean? Being like, I know he didn't get into it, but just by kind of saying like, Hey, like I, I respect him. Like a lot of the things you hear aren't true. You know what I mean? Cause I, I do think that like a lot of people try to put drama where it's not. And is Belichick a hard ass? Yeah. He's probably one of the hardest coaches to play for, but he's going to put you in positions to win games and, and win Super Bowls. So at the end of the day, yeah, there might've been some, some head butting, but I, I like that he came out and, and said that, you know, there, there's no love lost, there's respect. And I think that their legacy together would be better for it going Oh, yeah, and I think I was kind of trying to get to that point eventually because I, a lot of the players that had played with Brady that were still on the team from when Brady was still there were pretty much congratulating the guy after the game, were congratulating him on, I think, also the Super Bowl and such a great game in pretty much terrible weather for most part of the game. So I think that there was a lot of respect between Belichick and Tom Brady, regardless, even if they were like hard headed towards each other, there was a lot of mutual respect between the two. Uh, for topic two on third down, what are your thoughts on the game last night between the Chargers and the Raiders? Yeah, let's start with Greg on this one. Um, I thought it was a great game. Uh, I enjoyed every bit of it. Like I said, Austin Eckler was was lights out and, and showed a lot of good promise. The both defenses were. Uh, good on both sides. Unfortunately for the Chargers, Boso really was not a factor in that game at all. The only thing he really contributed to was uh, unsportsmanlike conduct uh, towards the end of the, the third quarter or fourth quarter. So I think the Raiders are going to go on to Chicago and, and you know solidify another win there. And I think that all in all, it was just a good game. It was fun to watch. I still think Gruden is probably, as a coach, one of the best football IQs that I I, I see out there and just knows the little things to do. And, and so I was very impressed with the game. I enjoyed watching it. Even though the score might not have necessarily looked like that, it was a, definitely more of a competitive game than um, the score alluded to. Mm-hmm. Nick, what do you have? I think what we're what we watched in that game last night was – what we're going to watch towards the end of the season of two teams battling out to see who wins that division. I think a lot of people think the Chiefs are going to win the division, but the Chiefs have a really hard schedule and their defense is not very good. So, I mean, they let the the Eagles put 30 up on them. And I think the only reason they were able to beat the Eagles is because they just scored more points than the Eagles. But they're going to run up against teams that have better defenses and they're just not going to be able to outscore them. So I think that, you know, Herbert and the Chargers, that's a for real team. That defense is is a really good defense. The Raiders have a pretty solid defense. And, you know, Derek Carr is playing pretty much almost back to his MVP level. I don't want to say he's at his MVP level, um, but 
he's he's pretty much playing almost at at his best at this point. And those are two teams going forward that are that are going to get some good wins. And I think that we'll kind of see when they play again uh, later in the season that that'll be a game to kind of solidify who. Yeah, that's perfectly reasonable. Dom, what do you have for us? That was one hell of a game. Um, I think going forward is going to be something that we can expect from both teams. You know, the Chargers, they're for real. Um, they're one of the teams that are playing a little bit better than I thought they would. Going into the season, I knew that they were going to be a good team, but I didn't think that they'd be this good. Um, at the Raiders, again, playing better than I thought they would. I don't know if it's something that they can keep doing. They have a history of starting the seasons well, um, but then towards the midpoint of the season, they start to fall off and still don't make the playoffs. I think this season might be a little bit different. I think they'll be a little bit better, but I do think there'll be a little bit of a fall off. You know, the defense has played better, but I don't think they have the speed, especially at the linebacker position, to keep up with an offense like the Chiefs, um, especially, you know, with the speed that the Chiefs have a wide receiver. But I don't think they have the speed on defense to, to really keep up with most offenses in the NFL. It's really going to be determined on how many sacks Max Crosby can get and if he can keep them in games on defense. But that offense is is for real, and I'm excited to watch that offense every week. Yeah, I think that I think that there's still a very good chance that the Raiders make it to the championship round, like I predicted last week. But also, I think based on the performance of the Chargers, you can definitely make an argument for the team. And I remember, I think it was in the pregame during for the whatever rain delay that they or lightning delay that they had at the start of the game. Uh, I forget who stated it, but one of the pregame announcers was like, I'm calling it now. Justin Herbert will be a hall of famer if he stays healthy, which I was like, that is extremely bold, especially considering the guys in his second year. Yeah. It's a little too soon to start, you know, with the hall of fame talk. Let's, not get ahead of ourselves here. Yeah, he's he's off to a great start to his career, but damn, it's not even halfway through his second year yet. Exactly. That's what I was saying. I was like, for your own sake, I hope that comes through. Anyways, on to our fourth down. And for this game of the week, I have chosen the Bills versus the Chiefs. This was something that I was brought up last week when we were making – our predictions for the AFC championship, at least to some degree. I would like to get your thoughts and kind of break down the game for this week, at least ahead of it. Uh, Nick, what do you got? I think the the Bills win this one pretty close. I think it's either by a field goal or a touchdown. I just think that Josh Allen's been on fire. You know, obviously Patrick Mahomes is always going to play well, and that, that offense is always going to be explosive. I just – I just don't think that that their defense has enough to stop the Bills, and I think the Bills' defense is going to be able to make a few more stops than than what the Chiefs' defense is, and I just think that they kind of squeak this one out. Um, like I said, either by a late field goal or a late touchdown, and I think that they they win this game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game again. I think we're going to see like a, a 30, 33, 37, or, or whatever it may be, but I think that both teams score at least 30 points, and I, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I think the Chiefs have like one of the hardest schedules this year, and I think it's showing. And they're going to be put through the ringer. So I just think that this is another loss that they're going to have. 
but it'll it'll be a really good game to watch. You know what I mean? If you love watching offense and and I think that uh, Diggs will kind of get his breakout game this week. I just don't think there's really anybody on that defense to kind of stop him. But he has been pretty slow. So that'll be a guy, a guy to watch in this because I'm not quite sure how, why he hasn't kind of broken off yet this year. But I think this will be a game where he kind of starts to get his feet under him and, and kind of get back on track. All right, Greg, what do you have? Uh, I'm back, back on, on Nick. Uh, Buffalo definitely is going to be their victor in the end of this. And you know me, I'm a statistics guy. I like the numbers because the numbers don't lie. The numbers are what they are. And points per game, they're pretty much putting up the average, the same average, about 33 and a half points per game. But it's Buffalo's defense that stands a little taller and a little higher in that those categories. Uh, Buffalo's only allowing 11 points a game, whereas Kansas City is allowing 31.3 points a game. And total yards for the offenses is about comparable. It's only a difference of about 22 yards when it comes to offensive production. But again, on the defensive side, um, Buffalo's only allowed 235 yards, whereas Kansas City is allowed 450. So uh, from a statistical standpoint, you look at those categories, you're going to say that Buffalo's got the edge defensively, and that's what's going to be the difference in the game. I mean, we've always said it time and time again, defense wins championships, and that's what's going to happen in that game. Yeah, that makes sense. Dom, what do you have? I, I think we can all agree that this is going to be a shootout. <laughs> you know, I don't think this is going to be a game that finishes 14-7. to 7. Um, It's going to be high scoring. I think, you know, kind of like what Nick and, and Greg said, I think the Bills' defense – has a little bit more going for it at this point. I think they're going to be able to to make more stops than the Chiefs' defense, but you can't count out Patrick Mahomes. You know, as long as he's on the field, they're going to have a shot. They're going to be in every game. So I, I think this is a game that can go either way. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Patrick Mahomes has you know a, a monster of a game, but I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Allen also has a monster of a game. Um, yeah, I. Not much more to be said other than what you guys have already said. It's going to be a high-scoring game, but the the Bills' defense is most likely going to come through in the end. Yeah. I mean, you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head with this game. It really boils it down. It basically just comes down to whose defense is going to make the most important stop and when is it going to happen is essentially what this game boils down to. So now that fourth down is over, Let's move on to our two-point conversion. What is your guys' one prediction for this week in football? Let's start with Dom. My prediction this week, um, I think the Steelers' offense is going to continue to struggle. Um, I think it's going to become pretty evident that the Big Ben either needs to take a, take a break for a couple games because I know Mike Tomlin said that he has an injury, so they either need to let him rest for a little bit or they need to make the move over to Mason Rudolph as their starting quarterback because, you know, Ben is not – he's not helping them. He's not really putting them in the best situation to win. Um, I know he's not entirely to blame for their offensive struggles, but he also has to take some of the blame for their offensive struggles, even though he's not the main factor as to why they're not performing. Um, yeah, I think – I think they're going to have another rough performance and I, I don't see them winning this week. Um, you're not going to win many games in the NFL, putting up 14 to 17 points a game. 
with relying on one touchdown a game from, from your defense or special teams. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Now let's move on to Nick. Well, my, my prediction is that I think Joe Burrow is going to have a pretty good game against the, the Packers. I think that that offense is a lot better than, you know, kind of Dom alluded to the Steelers offense who played the Packers the week prior. And I just think that he kind of goes out there and has a solid performance. I don't think like they go out there and blow out the Packers. I think the Packers will still win that game, but I think he'll keep it, you know, competitive and, you know, just kind of looking for him to continue to improve and and kind of prove people wrong. Like Greg, (laughs) who think the Bengals are, are kind of a crappy team and and maybe they come out and they lay an egg and, and Greg is right. But I think that offense is a lot better than what people give them credit for. And I think that that defense can do enough to games at times. So I think that that Joe Burrow comes out and just has another solid performance and, and puts another couple of touchdowns on the board. It's kind of my prediction. Prediction. All right, Greg, what do you got for us other than the Bengals are going to be terrible? Well, I'm going to finish what I started with, and that's the Arizona Cardinals. I think that they're going to beat the 49ers sizable fashion, especially if Jimmy did doesn't start because it looks plausible that he won't start. And so it's going to be a Trey Lance start. Cliff Kingsbury is three and three against the 49ers, but I just think with the high powered offense that that is Kyler Murray's arm and his legs right now, I think that they are going to be a five and O team comes down to the end of Sunday. Yeah, and for me, as much as I'm going to regret saying this, being a Browns fan, I think that Justin Herbert will have another very dominant performance against the Browns despite the Browns being as good as they are and have shown the world that they are good. I think that the Chargers will win this game. I don't know what the exact score would be. I just think that they'll win. Well, David, I hope you're wrong. The last, the last time somebody on the show went against their favorite team and said they'd lose, it came correct. Okay, that was one time. It's one time. It's not enough sample size to, <laughs> no. you know, really have any statistical backing there. I, At I, least I, on I, this on I this show. Chargers, I think the Chargers could come away with a win on that one. That's that's a tough game. Yeah, especially going across the country. But it'll be a, it'll be a good game. But I'm I'm really impressed with how the Browns defense has played the last couple of weeks. Yeah which is why I hope I'm wrong. Anyways, for our football trivia question this for today, what is the highest scoring game in NFL history? I want you to give me the team and the year. Is it like combined score with the both with two teams or is it one team to put up the most points? The one team to put up the most points. Hmm. I feel like this is like some like deep <laughs> Like 60. Oh, man. I'm going to say Green Bay Packers, 67 points in 1973. You are incorrect on that one. I'm trying to think of, like, super dominant team. Yeah. Was it? I don't know. Could it be the, the 2000 Rams? Like, oh, no. the greatest show on turf? Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to think of really good offenses. Was it, uh like, uh, 19, was it? Like 1989, 49ers? No. 65 points? <laughs> the closest year that you guys got was Greg, but it was in the 60s. I was referring to the 1966 Washington Redskins, 
where they scored 72 points. Damn. Against who? In the New York Giants, where they combined for a total of 113 points. No, that was a pretty, pretty lopsided of a game. It's like a, it's it was like, 72-41. Like a Madden game when I play against David. Did, <laughs> You're not kidding. Did, did the defenses forget that there was a game going on? <laughs> they, they, Apparently. They, they just pulled the defense off the field. <laughs> so, sounds like a Big 12 score. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, that concludes today's episode of Two Minute Drill. I'm glad you guys came on. To the listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as these guys did. And I hope you guys have a great one. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sport on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any update. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.